Hi, and welcome back to the Multifaceted Athlete with Coaching Lutz. I'm your host, Kelly Lutz. I am a USGA certified running and ultra running coach and certified strength and conditioning specialist. I am so excited to have you here today. We'll be talking all about running, aspects of running, strength training, and anything else that makes us humans who do sports. So let's dive right into this episode. I hope you love it. Hello, welcome back. This week we have another interview for you and it's a really special conversation. I got to talk to someone I met at the Endeavor Run Retreat a few weeks ago and she's just an amazing human. So her name is Diane Miller. She is a runner and writer. We chatted all about her journey with running and writing, the parallels between the two and other aspects of your life, following your passions no matter what age you are, and how much she loves ultra. Not gonna lie, I am considering signing up for a 12-hour race after this conversation with Diane, so proceed with caution. Um, but I think you're really going to enjoy this, and like I had goosebumps so many times while editing this conversation, so I really hope you enjoy this conversation and get a lot out of it, and yeah, enjoy hearing about Diane's story and getting to know her. She's amazing, and I am so excited to share this conversation with you. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another week of the Multifaceted Athlete. This week, I'm joined by another guest, and I think you're going to really love this conversation. So this week, I have Diane Miller on the podcast. I met her at our Endeavor Run retreat. If you haven't listened to my episode about Endeavor Run, go back and listen. I think it's number 32. Um, it's called Sometimes a Breakdown Leads to a Breakthrough. Um, and Diane was there with me. It was her second retreat, and she is also a runner and writer. So, Diane, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kelly. It's exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you, especially because obviously I just met you, what is it, like three weeks ago now, mm -hmm. if that? And I could tell that everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people already knew you at the retreat and you were like a figure of the retreat, if you will. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just think that, you know, people knew you from the Austin retreat. So let me back up for a second. Anyone who doesn't know Endeavor Run, they're running retreats. There's an Austin one in February and a Boulder one, which Diane and I were just at in August. And you went to Austin earlier this year. And Boulder. I did. Yes. Both. Yep because they were so awesome. So yeah. I returned to the Boulder one. Yeah, they are. And so we're going to dive into your experiences there because you in your blog wrote a bit about how you cried at your first retreat and I cried at my first retreat. So kindred <laughs> spirits there. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's a, um, I mean, there's some impressive people that are coming to the retreat and they make it really clear that everyone is welcome. Every level is welcome. And, um, I, I was never a great runner, but I did run years and years ago and then had about a 20 year break. And so came back into it. And I mean, I'm in my fifties and I was coming to this retreat and I was like, are you sure? I remember talking to Jake ahead of the first retreat. And I was like, do you really mean this? Because I'm like, I, I'm not fast. I'm not, you know, I'm not breaking any records. And he said, no, everyone was welcome. And, it, and they really, really make you feel that way. Um, I had such a great experience, but you're correct that I cried. It was kind of a stressful travel day. And I got to Austin and the Airbnb that we were staying at was not what we expected. It didn't feel like it was in a super safe neighborhood when I wasn't familiar with it to run back and forth to the camp. And it just all felt like too much. And I actually called my daughter who lives in Denver, who came to the uh, Boulder retreat with me. And it was very much like a 10 year old. It's like, I don't want to be at camp. I'm not staying at camp. I want to go home. And she said, no, let's just see if we can find you another hotel room. And she did, which was really lucky because it was us also the Austin marathon weekend. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I know that so much of it was just, I mean, aside from travel day and whatever, and there were some other stressors that it was just nerves. I mean, it was, it's really scary to walk into something brand new 
Um, and I didn't know anyone. So, and, you know, just goofy things like I had never taken a Lyft or an Uber before. So it was, you know, it was just so many new things and then walking in and not knowing what to expect and feeling so completely like I was not just out of my element, but I just had no business being there. Um, and so, yeah, I was really proud of myself that I did that. And I think it's hard at any age. And I think as you're getting older, the you get less and less adaptable that way. So I was um, really proud. And the second I walked in, Jake was right there um, and introducing me to people. And, and it still wasn't easy. I'm pretty, I'm pretty introverted and pretty reserved um, in groups. Um, but still, I mean, there's a difference between that and not feeling welcome at all. And that, that just wasn't there either time. I was nervous the second time too. I mean, I didn't cry that time. Everything was more familiar, but I was really, really hesitant walking in the second time as well. Yeah. I read your blog this morning about coming to the second retreat and uh, I live close to Boulder. So like the things that you were nervous about never really crossed my mind. Like being in altitude like it's harder to run here yeah. if you're not from here so that was very interesting to me and like it makes a lot of sense I don't know why <laughs> in my mind it was like a non-factor but it's just interesting hearing what makes people nervous in situations and like I feel like mm -hmm. I haven't talked to everyone from the retreat but just the response I've gotten from that podcast, a lot of people have been like, yeah, I had similar feelings. Like maybe they didn't cry about squatting, but <laughs> you know, we were all nervous in our own way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that's maybe it's sort of a runner thing too, that you just, you want to do your best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as runners, we compare ourselves obviously to everyone else but we also compare ourselves to like our past selves and yes you know usually not always as you get older like you're I don't want to say not as good as you were when you were younger but like you know your performance level is different and especially being then put into a group setting where you're running with people it can be can be a lot yeah absolutely and I think I think that comparison to your past self is important point because I mean even for me so I've been you know kind of really running and training now for six years and I kind of hit this peak in 2019 that I thought was going to keep going and then because of different circumstances and then COVID and I I have a feeling my coach would say something different about this but I really felt like I kind of slid backwards in some ways and and I gained weight during COVID um, and you know initially for me going into training and uh, running six years ago, which I wasn't expecting, um, it was all about weight loss. So that's a, you know, that that's always a kind of a scary thing, you know, to see that come back on. And um, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm never going to get to some of those things that I thought I was going to. And I think that's, yeah, that's a, that's a really important point that um, it's a, it's not linear. It's not linear at any point And every, era of it offers something different and important, I think. Yeah, definitely. Can we go back to how you got into running? Or yeah. running, I guess, because you ran in high school, right? I, yeah, so I started, um, I went out for the cross country team when I was a junior. And so at that point, everybody had already been running since like seventh grade. And I was fairly new to the school too. I have no idea why I went out for running. I, I had friends who were on the team. I'm assuming that's why, but I really can't remember what the impetus was to make me go out for that team. But um, it, I was dead last. I was dead last every single practice. <laughs> I was dead last every single race and I was on the JV race. So quite literally the team would be on the bus waiting for me to run and finish the race and, <laughs> and run onto the bus. And, but something... Um, it, it obviously sparked something and something took hold. Um, I had a great coach. I wrote about him. I wrote about both of my coaches um, in two different posts called Coached Part One and Coached Part Two. And he was, um, you know, it's kind of a continuation, this Endeavor Run experience. He was so welcoming. Um, he made me feel like I was an incredibly important part of the team, 
even though I was never going to, I was never going to make any points during races. Um, but I felt like I was important. I was integral. Um, he gave me a nickname right away, which I just think made me really, really feel like a part of the group. Um, and something just took hold something deeper and I did get better. I mean, I, I was at the top of the JV team by my senior year. Nice. Um, and then, yeah. And then kept running in my twenties and then, um, life hit in some difficult circumstances. And I spent my thirties and my forties until I was 49 and a half years old, um, active, but not, running under a lot of stress, gained a lot of weight. I, I managed that stress by eating. I ate it and um, kind of woke up at 49 and a half. And um, just, I was so far gone from being able to, to know what to do myself. Um, I was definitely under decision fatigue and decided that I had to get help again, much like joining that first cross country team. I don't know how I don't quite know how I decided to do that and uh, looked for a bunch of coaches, wasn't happy, just didn't seem, I, I kind of knew how important this decision was. This person needed to be pretty special. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I knew that I wanted a woman and I knew that I didn't want to work out in a gym. And I ended up getting a man who was 33 years old, worked out of a gym, totally, <laughs> total runner, total buff, scared the crap out of me. when I. Um, just walked into that gym and saw him, but he's, um, you know, they say, uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. And that's feels like exactly what happened. And I did not expect to run. I, I really thankfully, stupidly walked into that gym thinking, okay, we're going to work together for eight to 10 weeks and I'm going to lose all this weight. And then I'm going to be happy. And then I'm going to be done. And I'm so glad I had no clue. Um, and didn't expect that I was going to run. I had had a back injury in 2013. And um, my daughter, Emma, always said, I think you're going to be able to run again. She always had faith that that was going to happen. And uh, and so he was a runner and he started me. Um, I worked with him. I still do. For the last six years, I work with him in person twice a week. And he writes all of my training plans. And, um, and we've done a lot of nutrition stuff together as as well and he started me on running and it was run 30 seconds walk three minutes for 45 minutes or around the lake that's near our house and it was um those 30 seconds were really nearly impossible I mean they to stay running for 30 seconds at a time even with those three minute breaks in between it was um it was embarrassing it was hard I cried it's you know, Minneapolis is not quite the level of Boulder, but it's, it's a, it's a strong running city. And it was, it took a lot to, um, it was humbling to be out there doing that. But, um, but again, I, I write about this a lot that I feel like there is this little runner deep inside of me tending a fire and just refused to let it go out. And I feel like it got ignited again. Yeah, I love that. I feel like it's a common story about getting into running in your adult years. I feel like a lot of people come into it with the goal of like weight loss, kind of what you were saying, like, yeah, I'll do this for like three months and then the weight will be off. I'll be happy. And then I'd, I'll do whatever I want then. But it sounds like for you, since you had that running background and some seed was planted, you had like a deeper meaning connected to it that kept you going. Yeah. And still, I'm really surprised by it. Like I remember I started, I started with my coach the end of July of 2016. And in November, he just at one of our training sessions said, what are you doing this weekend? And uh, I don't know. And he said, I want you to show up and run this 5k. And it was a jingle all the way 5k and um, everybody's dressed and stuff. And um, I think what I think what surprised me the most, and it started in that race, um, is that I had a competitor inside of me and I didn't know that and wasn't, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't raised that way. My family was not particularly athletic. That wasn't pushed. And also just, um, kind of my, 
my age and where I grew up in the Midwest and religious background and all of that, like it wasn't, um, girls were not encouraged to be competitive. Like that just wasn't, uh, in fact, it wasn't nice. Um, and I was in this race. So my, it was my first 5k. It took me 42 minutes to run my first 5k. And there was this little, I write about this too, this little beagle that was dressed as an elf that was running with his people and just was, you know, stopped to poop and was like, stopped to smell things and stopped to roll in the grass and I'd pass him and then they'd pass me again and something clicked with me. And I was like, I am not going to let that little beagle dress like an elf beat me. Like, I'm not <laughs> going to let that happen. And I didn't know where that came from. And I did beat the beagle to the finish line. That sounds terrible. I beat the beagle to the finish <laughs> line. And um, yeah, and I, I remember driving home and I was like, huh, I just, I did not, I did not expect that that was in there. And I didn't, I'm still surprised at the, the level and the depth to which I'm connected to running and how, how competitive I really feel, which makes it hard sometimes because I'm not, I'm not a naturally gifted runner. I would not say, I think I have a, I have kind of like a long gritty piece to me that really does serve like the ultras, which is great to find a place for it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that, I, I kind of have to wrestle that piece all of the time that what the level of dedication, I mean, the podcast that I listen to, I watch running stuff every day. My bookshelves are full of it and it does, it just doesn't match kind of my natural talent. And, um, and I haven't totally reconciled that yet, but that's, I mean, that's okay. Yeah. I think that is really hard. It reminds me a lot of myself. Um, when I was in college, when I was talking to the cross country coach, because I wanted to like see if I could walk onto the team. I also don't really have like that natural talent. And the thing that he told me, because I had trained for two half marathons myself the prior year, and he was like, you have the hard work ethic that mm -hmm. can make you a great runner, even if you don't have the talent. And it sounds like you have it too, which was, and that was very encouraging for me. And it reminds me of what Matt Fitzgerald was saying when he was giving us his book talk about trainability. And I think you have that too. So, and it is very hard to wrestle those two um, talent versus trainability and like yes. your desire to run and everything. You know, I heard Matt recently in another podcast and he said to, um, it was at the very end of the podcast and it was really an exciting thought is that I mean, the idea that everybody though has the ability to find out what their maximum potential is and that um, he indicated that there's some kind of um, some kind of research happening about being able to um, measure that kind of comparison of, I mean, that's this form of competition, that comparison of who has actually really maxed out their potential. And I thought that was, that was pretty exciting. Cause you know, there are times like I, it was what was really hard for me. And I, I have a, I have a bit of an injury now, so that is going on, but um, watching everyone at Endeavor Run come in on the long run day from Magnolia Road. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my daughter stuck with me, which was great of her. And we, we went out and back and I think that we did, I don't know, five or six miles total, um, which was great. And it was amazing, but I came, I, I, we were back before everyone else and, and watching the pro runners come in, which was, you know, just yeah. plain, but watching everyone come in, um, that was a hard moment for me because I, I really, I was like, why, why can't I do that? And, and there is a, there is a piece of me that's, that's stuck a little bit with the long run, but, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, again, it's that thing that you just, it, it hasn't totally reconciled, but it's also okay. Cause I like, I mean, I'm reconciled to the fact that it's like, this is who I am. And I do think there is more in me and I like this journey a lot. And I don't know why I've taken such a deep dive into it, but, um, 
it, it brought writing back to me. And so that's part of it that's been fantastic. Yeah. And you've been writing since the end of 20 or not end like September, 2020, right? That's when I started the blog. Yes. Yes. Yep. So I guess let's dive a little bit into your writing before the blog, which is nolimitsblog.net for anyone who wants to go read. How, how was writing present in your life before then, or was it just sparked from your running? Um, no, I've, I've been writing my whole life. Um, I wrote, I mean, a, a ton when I was little. Um, I would say up through kind of teen years, um, it got more sporadic. Um, I've always loved writing and, you know, it's kind of, kind of come and gone in my life. Um, I remember when, when things were kind of difficult in my thirties and forties, and I remember coming back to running and thinking, or coming back to writing, I mean, and thinking I'm going to I'm going to really give this a try again. And I think that I probably was looking at um, Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's um, it's kind of kind of a like self-propelled writing program. And and I just remember I remember finally scrapping it and throwing it in the towel because what was what I had in my head and what I wanted to say seemed to get lost somewhere between that place and getting it down on paper. And I just like what I would end up reading, it just sounded um, so contrived and um, didn't have kind of, there was something that didn't sound authentic to me about myself. And I just remember feeling so frustrated that I just couldn't seem to make that work. And so I kind of threw in the towel. and then when I started working with my coach, one of the requirements that he had was that you uh, send in a weekly check-in. And it's just supposed to be a summary of your workouts, what they were, how it felt, and nutrition. And um, I had decided when we started working together that, not that I'm prone to not telling the truth, but I just made a very conscious effort that in order for him to help me, I needed to be totally honest with him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I really trusted him right off the bat. And so um, I, as this weight was coming off, which I think people maybe who've lost weight, you know, have experienced um, as the weight was coming off, everything was just kind of getting revealed. And I think running also does that. I think running has this natural exposure element to it um, that just exposes you to yourself and it's not good or bad or right or wrong. It just, it's like kind of here you are and it also relates to life. And so my check-ins were very, um, it's, I think it's what brought the writing back and I was going, um, he's also got a bit of a background in sports psychology. So he just kept meeting me. Um, I was going I was taking some pretty deep dives and I was really understanding things and running was just opening everything up and he would just kind of keep meeting me in that place. And so probably by about year three is when he said, this belongs somewhere else. Like, you know, this has gotten so far away from summary. And I was like, oh, he's right. And my daughter suggested, she said, why don't you put it in a blog? And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Nobody would want to read it. I don't want to do it. And so Um, then the pandemic hit and I, uh, got put on a long furlough for my job and eventually lost my job. Um, and it was the first time. So my furlough started July of 2020. And it was the first time since I was 18 years old that I wasn't working two or three jobs and, or going to school and raising a family. Like I finally, I had some breathing space and, and, circumstances and and life had eased and I had breathing space for the first time and I really I was running and writing and running and writing and so I I did start the blog um and there's something that's really it there's one thing to write and then there's another it's another level to actually have to push that publish button there's something really um it 
it's very interesting to me talking to other people about what happened to them during the pandemic, like pre, well, not pre-pandemic, but early pandemic, because just hearing your story, like sometimes I feel like, you know, everything happens for a reason. And it sounds like in your case, I think it did. Like, obviously no one wants to be furloughed and lose their job, but having that open up so much space for you led you really into the running and writing that you love so much and just reading your blog it sounds like now fast forward two years you're like living very authentically wow I that's that's cool um yeah I feel like I really am and I think you you know the the blog is is about my experiences and what you know the the about part of the blog is um how I started to understand my life by becoming an unlikely athlete. And, and it's really true. Um, the more, the more I write, the more I realized how guarded I was. And the more I realized how worried I was about how other people might, what they might think of me or how they might see me. And um, man, it's just so, it's that saying that just as can be so cliche that the truth will set you free. It's so true. It, it's really true. I, I feel more like myself and freer than I've ever felt. And it's a little hard to reconcile that, that I'm like, and now I'm already 55 and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And most of the time I know that, but it's, um, it's, it's taken me all of these years to get to this point and, um, and running, running is what brought me there. Running's the teacher. I, I feel like a lot of us take what we learn in running and see how it can be applied to our lives. And I feel like a lot of non-runners don't really understand that. Yeah. Like how can, you know, such a simple task or exercise yeah. extrapolate to so many other things in your life, like your career, your relationships. I don't know what else, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I do. And what I've been really pleased about, um, cause I've been asked before, you know, who's your audience. And, and I think we get a little limited by that because my audience is not ironically. It's like, it's first of all, when I write it, it's like, I don't have an audience. I don't, I don't buy into that idea personally. Um, and I, I would say the majority of people right now, anyway, I would love for that to change, but I would say the majority of people right now who read my blog don't run um, and don't have any desire to run. And it's what I'm learning is for me comes through running, but it's, it's stuff that we, I think everybody can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like I had a post in March of 2021, um, I had a really close friend that passed away and, and after battling cancer for a long time, and I spent the last four months, five months of her life with her really intimately and um, was there at the end. And it completely, um, I had a post called sidelined because I couldn't write. I just, there was just nothing there for writing. And Um, really held me together because it was a structure that I was, you know, that I had already in place and was dependent on. And, um, and then I woke up one morning and I had this title sidelined in my head and I was, and I was like, oh, that's a title I'm, I'm writing again. And I got up and, and wrote, and I just, you know, there's, there's so many different things that I write about that people are like, yeah, I, I can absolutely relate to that. So you know, there's a lot of different ways to come at our lessons and mine just happens to be with running. And I happen to think running's a pretty darn good teacher. I do think there's something to moving our bodies and learning about ourselves. I think that there's really something to that. Yeah, I agree. When you write, I know right now, um, which we're going to talk about, you're in the middle of like a post every day for 71 days, correct? Mm-hmm. So before that though, um how did you reconcile like your 
things coming to you to write and kind of forcing yourself to write? Or was it always like, I, I'm, you just said you don't always have something to write depending on what's going on, but like, how do those two play together for you? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, when I first started, you know, really in July of 2020, like really making a practice out of it um, so that it wasn't just kind of this random, random thing that I did. Um, very much like running and training where it starts to come together in a practice and then, you know, it follows a certain pattern. So during that time, I, it, it was just about, um, I would run, I would have an idea and, um, I wrote very much off of that. And it was things like running. I remember where I was. I don't remember what this post was about, but I was running around the lake and I had this idea of running and democracy and how they're related, you know? So it's, it can be anything. It can be anything I'm going through. It can, you know, it sparks so many things for me. And then during that first holiday season of 2020, I did sort of a similar thing. I, I wanted to just have that kind of discipline of writing every day um, because I didn't, you know, it was, it was all still coming together. And so I did a um, 12 days of Christmas and, mm -hmm. Um, that was really interesting because I, I liked doing that because it, it felt like I was, I was working for writing and, um, that I was working at it as my career and what would it be like to get up every day and you have to produce something, you have to give something, but it, you also want it to say something you want it to have, you know, some kind of value. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really learned with those and funny enough, I mean, my life was very open still at that point, as far as commitments, it was still pandemic, you know, pre-vaccination, all of that. And it was really an interesting discipline. And I can see how my writing has changed from then to now, because I was like, you have to post by midnight every day, just for 12 days. And it was really hard. It was really hard to get it done, but I could see my writing it felt to me like it exponentially changed, um, like with anything. And I think one of the posts is about that, that idea of commitment. It's like, when you just decide I'm going to do this, you know, that's when you see your progress, when you stick with it day in and day out and day in and day out. So yeah, that was, did I answer that question? I'm, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah. We're on a different path now and that's totally cool. I'm with you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, I think you were asking about, oh, like where it comes from. And then it, it just seems to, it seems like it's just kind of continued to come together. And then it's opened up other writing. It's opened up, um, I'm working on a novel and I, I haven't read fiction in years, very randomly. I mostly read nonfiction and I studied writing. I took some writing classes online. Um, I've studied writing and like I have um, running you know, it just is a very natural thing for me. And, um, and there were so many writers that said, you know, you've got to just get your butt in the chair in the morning. And, you know, it's not going to come to you if you're not sitting there waiting to take it. And so um, I have this memoir that I'm working on, and it's not coming well. And so I decided this was right before Endeavor on Austin, I was like, I'm going to sit down every morning, and I'm an early riser. So I'm going to sit down at 4.30 with my coffee in the morning and just say I'm here and I'm ready to go. And, and years ago, I, um, I taught adult education for immigrant students. And um, a lot of those students who came in had had higher education in their home countries. Um, but now they were here and, you know, working family, brand new everything, brand new culture, brand new language. And they would get really frustrated at the writing aspect because they knew in their heads what they wanted to say, but they had such a limited, you know, yeah. vocabulary at that point to work with. And so one of the things that we did is I would um, put something over their computer screens just so they couldn't judge themselves. And I would write with them too. I would sit down and I was like, we're just, we're going to write, we'd have a subject or we'd have an idea, but it's like, just write what you're feeling and don't judge it. And, and I still have some of those. And there's some of the most beautiful and poignant um, things I've written because, you know, kind of what, again, when you have this, these strict limits to work within, um, they just, the thoughts were just beautiful. And so I sat down at my computer 
and decided I'm going to use that technique with me. And I'm going to sit down and I'm going to say, I'm here, I'm ready. And I closed my eyes and I, this novel started coming out and I was thought I was going to sit down and work on the memoir. And I, it's, it's a really weird experience. A lot of writers talk about, they talk about creativity as the separate entity about the muse. And it's very much what I'm experiencing with that. So I don't think any of that would have come without starting the blog and the blog would not have come without running. So they're all very interconnected for me. Yeah, it sounds like it. And even just talking about like forcing yourself to sit down in the morning and kind of create that habit is such a parallel to running. Yes. And yeah, like getting into training. I know for a lot of people, like getting into running is the hardest part or like getting back into running just because you're not used to doing it anymore. And it's like, when do I find the time to do this? And like you're saying, when you make that commitment to yourself is when you'll start to see progress. And I've seen this like coaching athletes, some of them, some of them think they're making the commitment and then they're actually not. And you see them like fizzle out. So it's really interesting to hear that with writing as well. Yeah. It's so parallel. And that, I mean, I, I don't know, even to this day, it's like that accountability piece um, Mm -hmm. is just kind of, well, one of the huge roles my coach plays. He plays a bunch of big roles, but that's just a huge one because I still, I struggle with that everywhere. You know, there's that quote about um, how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's really kind of true for me. Um, And it's certainly true with writing. And it's certainly true with running and getting yourself to show up, you know, every day. I'm still struggling to show up. I, I, run every day or do my workout every day, but not consistently at the same time. And I know if I set a time and I consistently showed up to do it, then I always squeak it in during the day. I always do, but it's like, there's a next level. Mm -hmm. And, and the days that I do get it done in the morning, I feel like I just bought like an extra day. Like it's so magic how the time just opens up. And Mm -hmm. so yeah, they're, they're so parallel. Yeah. I think what's really cool about your story is that you have found what you're passionate about and you're not like 20 years old. Cause I feel yeah. like <laughs> we, we feel like we should know what we want to do for the rest of our lives. Once we like leave college, if we go that path or when we're 18, if we go right out of high school or whatever puts you into adulthood, Um, and like, I'm turning 32 soon and I'm still like, what do I actually want to do? (laughs) Am I even doing what I want to do? So it's really inspiring to me. And I think it will be inspiring to a lot of other people that you are following your passions in your fifties and like, it's never too late. It's thank God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) no, I mean, it just, it just isn't, I think it's just a matter of, um, of staying engaged and staying challenged. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's not, it's not easy to step out of your element. And the older you get, you know, when I, when I first started with my coach and first started running and running races, um, I actually, he, he's a Spartan racer is one of the things he does. He's a runner, but he also races Spartan races and was on the pro team. And I didn't know what that was, but when I came in to start working with him. And I had to write down what my goals were in addition to weight loss. Um, I said, I want to be able to go across monkey bars, climb a rope and get out of a pool with some sense of dignity. And I just said, I'm 49 years old. And it just had really hit me. I was like, and it was because of my back injury, but it was like, it's ridiculous that I can't do these things. I mean, I have this body, um, and I'm only 49 years old and it shouldn't be like this. And, um, and so what was my point? This is also what happens when you're in your fifties, you completely <laughs> lose your train of thought. It happens to me too. And I'm in my thirties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what it was. It was the age thing. It just, yeah. um, again, I certainly, I don't want to pretend like it doesn't surface for me often because it does. Um, Mm -hmm. and at the same time, 
um, I feel like I'm 30 inside. You know, it's like there's many days I wake up and I can feel in my body I am not 30, but I I just don't see any reason why I just can't do this for the rest of my life. And I think it's just that piece of of staying engaged and doing things like a Deborah run, you know, that are just so totally out of your element, but they, they really matter. And the connections I've made there like this are fantastic mm-hmm. and just enriching. Yeah. Yeah. It's really scary to do things that are not, you know, part of your normal routine, but every time I've done it, like something good comes of it, even yes. if, you know, in the moment we're crying. <laughs> but the experience overall is always I'm maybe I shouldn't say always but most likely it's always just like expanding yeah and then it doesn't change you know it doesn't it doesn't change just because you get older I think there's a narrative out there that you can certainly that's sanctioned that you can buy into that it has to change but um certainly you know your abilities will change. I'm sure I'll slow down at some point, but, um, but you can, you can kind of morph with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I also really appreciate that I've been lucky enough to meet people now in the last six years on this path that believe I can do it, um, that don't underestimate me at my mm-hmm. age, that don't, um, decide that something isn't possible. Um, my coach again, top of the list there. And then also places like Endeavor Run where, you know, I just had a long talk with Jake who started Endeavor Run the other day about my long runs. And it's like giving me the time and treating me the same way he would an elite runner who's going to come to him for information or help. It's like, I, I really, really appreciate that. And that's where running is unique. You know, it's um, part of that being individual, but you can, it's like, as long as you take care of yourself in the process, um, which running has also taught me to do, you know, you can, you can do it for your whole life. And that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, you were just saying about having people that believe in you. I feel like that more than like any training plan you can get, it will improve your running so much or anything you want to do really, because we don't always believe in ourselves. No, (laughs) there's a lot of self-doubt that goes on. I feel like, I think you've written a little bit about that with your writing and your running. And like, I feel it with my running, with my coaching, with everything. (laughs) Yeah. So like an imposter. Oh yeah. Don't even get me started on imposter syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Especially as a woman, that's just been, you know, 30 years of struggle. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, as you hit for me, I should just speak for myself as I've hit this middle age piece. Um, it would, it would be so easy just be able to just dip into that. And then it's a slippery slope of, you know, age and ability and all of that. And it's like, it just, it's like, what's the alternative to not do it? It's like, and then what? It's like, no, it's like, I, you know, one of the things is, is everyone tired of hearing this that running has given me (laughs) is it's just opened up this gratitude channel that, you know, once that train is out of the station gratitude you it just it takes on a life of its own and it really um that's one of the one of the biggest gifts that I've gotten in the last six years is is that and again I don't know that I was a particularly ungrateful person before but certainly um certainly there's levels to it. And as you access each level, it kind of opens up another level and it, it really, it really is kind of a bottomless well. And that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's a good point. I never really thought about gratitude going with running, but you're Mm -hmm. so right. And then you just, and then it gets exciting. Like I said, it just opens up another level and another level till there's so many days when I'm, simultaneously frustrated 
and also so keenly aware that it's like, uh, I'm 55 years old and I just did hill repeats or, Mm -hmm. you know, I just got my, which I did the other day. I just did hill repeats with my coach and I got my heart rate up to 184, which at 55 years old is a big deal. And it's like that, I just, I think it's the, the nature of running too. I'm like, Ooh, I could do so much more. And at the same time, I'm like, I'm so, I'm so grateful for what I do and what I'm, what, how I'm finally taking care of my body. And speaking of what you can do, can we talk a little bit about the 24 hour race that you did? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I've done two of them. Two of them. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So first question, what drew you to the 24 hour race versus like a specified distance? Well, during the pandemic, when those, actually, I think this was one of the very first virtual races ever. It was, um, uh, a guy that I learned about through, um, kind of Spartan stuff. Um, and his name is Matt B. Davis and he created the 24 hour virtual, no, the 20, the 12 hour, the virus race or something like that. And it was, it was in the beginning, it was like in April of 2020 and, you know, everything obviously was shut down and there was no, all the coaching went, you know, virtual. And, and so I just was like, huh, 12 hours. And you were supposed to just map out a five hour loop or five mile loop near your home. And as many times as you could do it in 12 hours. And I had never even thought about something like that. And so I was talking with my coach and he's like, just do it. And so we came up with a plan and I ended up getting 30 miles and I was thrilled and yeah, it was, it was really cool. And so it kind of just sent me on this new path over the course of the last couple of years. So the first 24 hour race then happened. So that was in my head. I started watching ultras, which I love. (laughs) I, I love everything about them. Um, and obviously when you're watching them, you're mostly watching point to point ultras, which I would like to do. But, uh, summer of 2021, I was, so I had been a year in, I was just kind of like, felt like that backsliding thing was happening. I was having a lot of trouble doing long runs. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, and I like extreme stuff. Like I've done an Everest challenge. I've done, I like those big challenges. They just kind of speak to me. And so I just thought I need to show myself that I can put in volume and I can stay on my feet. And so I set up a challenge of doing a thousand miles from June 1st until August 31st and running and walking, but I just had to get a thousand miles in. And so, um, it was, it was, it was really kind of a life-changing experience because it got old really fast and it was summer and it was just it was just out slogging in miles and in it, I moved slower. So it takes me a long time. I mean, there was one week when I had like 30 hours of movement in a week. And, um, so as that started, as the summer started to come to a close and I was so, I was just so spent and so over it, I saw this 24 hour loop race and I had been, you know, inundating myself with ultra, um, watching ultras. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, well, this may be a good entry because it's, um, it was a state park, um, here in the twin cities. And it was just like a 2.25 mile loop and there were no other rules. It's like, you know, as little as you want, as much as you want. Um, and so I ended up signing up for that at the very end of my thousand miles summer. And it was, I did not expect to have the experience I had, I was completely blissed out the whole time. I never had a moment of, it was hard. It was really hard and it really hurt, but it really suited my head because somehow taking off at eight in the morning on that first loop, I was like, you kind of have to let go of everything else and you're just moving. And my only job was like, on my loops was, do I need a salt pill? Do I need to change my shoes? Um, The support was fantastic at this race. Um, And then my husband and my daughter were there. I had tons of people come out um, to either kind of cheer me on or run with me. And it just ended up, 
the the very end of the race and in a parking lot so that if you couldn't if you couldn't finish the loop by the eight o'clock the next morning you could go and you could run and it was like oh my gosh it was like a 0 0.07 loop in this little parking lot and you could go down and do those loops to get as much mileage in as you could before the end and I just assumed that would be really anticlimactic mm -hmm. and I was down in that loop by 7 30 and it would it I mean, everybody by the end, by 8 a.m., we were all bawling our heads off. The runners, the people watching, because it was like more runners came on and more runners came on, you know, as it got closer to a.m. and we're all just doing this loop and some people can barely walk and other people are sprinting. And I ended up sprinting a little. I don't know where it came from. And <laughs> it was just really, really exciting. And so I did another one. It was the same organization, a different place this year. And this loop was just shy of two miles. And um, Harvey Lewis ran, he's a um, big ultra marathoner and his dad mm -hmm. happens to live here in the Twin Cities. So it was um, it was just Courtney DeWalters before. Um, I saw her dad watching the race and I just know him from all the ultras that I've watched. <laughs> and it was really cool to be like a part of that. like. Just to, I mean, you know, Harvey lapped me <laughs> over and over and over again all night long. But I, um, I, I just, I love it. I love, I love the push of it. I, it just everything about it. I just respond to, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised, and it's baffling to me why I can't do a long run, but I can do that. But um, there's, there's an answer in there somewhere. I don't know what it is yet, but yeah, that experience sounds amazing ultras are such like a special atmosphere and yes if you haven't done one you don't understand until you do one but yeah I feel like that's a big part of what keeps bringing people back other than yeah. like we like to you know push ourselves and suffer <laughs> yeah and I would say anybody who wants to run an ultra and hasn't I think because I really 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 want to do a point to point like I want to I want to train and I would like to do a hundred miles course secretly would like to do some of the kind of epic hundred milers but um I think loops are a great they're a great gateway into it because mm -hmm. you don't have to you come around to your camp you know every couple of miles especially the ones I mean the ones where you have to start on the hour that would be tough that's a different level but yeah um, you can run as much or as little as you like, and you can feel it out. You can feel out how does my stomach respond to this? Cause that's a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, you can figure out how to eat. You can figure out kind of the shoes, like all of that. You can work out while you don't have to carry anything. You don't have to, mm -hmm. you know, it, this one, there was an aid station at the mile marker. So mm -hmm. there was an aid station mile marker, then the aid station back at the camp plus my camp. So it's just, um, I think it's just a great, a great way to try it out. Yeah. The logistics yeah. are so much easier if you're yes. doing a loop like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's still meaningful. It's still, it's still a push and oh yeah. Yeah. yeah especially yeah. if you're, if you go until you like have to stop, like you're pushing yes. yourself as much as obviously you yeah. don't have to push yourself that much, but it's right. really cool when you do push yourself up against like a new distance or a new time that you haven't right. experienced before. Right. And I would recommend like, a, like a structure you're shooting for. So, mm -hmm. you know, my coach and I worked that out and he's like, why don't you, I can't remember if we set a time, but it's like, don't spend more than four minutes in your back at camp. And, and um, I was able to do that for the first 20 miles. So um, it's really nice to have some kind of structure you're working with. And then, you know, after that, just hang on, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, as much as you can. Yeah. And running at night is magic. I think it's just magic. Interesting. Running at night kind of scares me. It scared me too, until I started doing these. And then I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, I mean, you really do like my, my blog post about this last one is called spirit voices. And that's exactly, it feels like you just enter into another dimension. And yeah. You're just in a different world for, you know, eight hours. You're really selling these 24 hour races. Diane. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, it scares the crap out of me to do a, a point to point and be like in the mountains at night. That's a different, that's a different thing. But that's again, why these are, a, these are a great teaser because you get to get out there and do it without, you know, making that huge commitment. Yeah, definitely. If you could run any hundred miler, which one would you sign up for? Like if you were guaranteed to get in. I think I would probably do Western States. That's the one from Tahoe to Auburn, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I would do that one. That would be so fun. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite, you've probably watched this. Um, my favorite ultra documentary is about Sally McRae. I think it's called Western Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So good. And I would like to, I mean, you know, obviously Leadville's interesting. Um, Western States would be my first, but I just watched um, Awful One in the Desert. Um, is it Hard Rock? Hard it's Rock's the one with the mountains. Is it heavily? It might be, but it's not that one. It's a real, I can't believe I can't remember the Bad name. Bad Water? It just happened. Yes. Just happened in July. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That one looks gnarly. And you end in the mountains. It looks really gnarly. And, um, and that one, kind of interesting to me too actually oh so yeah the mountain thing scares me a little I'm afraid of heights and so I'm always a little worried that those are going to be a little more um a little scarier when you're actually on them than what than what you get to see in these documentaries um so that's a little bit of a concern but yeah I still like to give it a go and then I love the golden trail series Oh, it's so fantastic. Yeah, they have a lot of really cool looking races. They sure do. So one last thing I want to touch on before we wrap up your current writing project, Writing the Wall. How did this come about? And can you explain it for everyone? Yeah, so I had, um, you know, for a few years, I've had um, running calendars where you have a calendar page a day that's got, you know, a a quote or something encouraging on it. Um, And the ones that kind of resonated with me, I started to, um, so I'm sitting at my writing desk right now and I I started to put them up on my wall and I ended up covering the entire wall, which must be like, it's gotta be like 10 feet by eight feet, something like that. And it was covered. Um, So hundreds of them. And so, at the beginning of the year, this year in January, all of a sudden, I just thought, ah, that's just, it's too much. It's too overwhelming. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with Marie Kondo, but I Marie Kondo'd my yes. wall. Um, <laughs> and I just, I pulled every single one of them down. And if it didn't spark something, I got rid of it. And so I didn't have a set number in mind. And I ended up with 71 that I put back up and more manageable and very concentrated. Like there's I realized that as I put them up, it's like, oh, this is a very concentrated, like push positive, you can do this like kind of wall. And then one morning I just woke up and I was looking at this. I can't remember if it's when I woke up or I'm drinking my coffee, looking at it. And I just heard this write the wall. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And so I gave myself a an assignment, a challenge to write a post every single day based on each one of these. And so it was a little easier in the beginning because I had 71 to choose from and then I had 61 to choose from and it's it's getting down to the wire and it's getting tougher, but um, somehow, it, somehow it's worked out. Um, either I have something to write about and I can match one of these or I just pick one and I write something about it. And then I, um, I have a whole list here and I cross it off what day it is, um, what the date is. And then I take a big post-it note and I write what number it was. So was this number 19? Was this number 20? Was this, I think I'm at 48. And I put it over the, the page on the wall so that I don't have to see that one again. And I know what I have to choose from. And it's been really, it, it, again, it, it, it comes up against that. This isn't good enough thing, or this isn't perfect thing, because Mm -hmm. if I'm going to post them every, if I'm going to post every single day, you've got it, you've got to get it done. 
And mm -hmm. that's part of it. It's just like, you've got to sit down, you've got to get it done. It's made, I think it's really sharpening up my writing. It reminds me very much of my thousand mile challenge last summer um, because I didn't feel like getting out and getting four more miles at night after I had done 10, you know, mm -hmm. during the day. And you just, you just have to do it and it changes something. And I think that's the point of it is it's just like, it doesn't matter if it's hot. doesn't matter if it's raining. doesn't matter if I'm tired. This same with this. It's like, it just, it, it pushes through to some next level and changes something. And I can, I can feel that with this. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. I've been reading. I read a good amount of them this morning. There was one, one you posted on August 11th. And there were a couple sentences you wrote that really spoke to me. I'm going to read them if it's okay with you. Okay, sure. <laughs> I don't remember what that, what that day was, but you wrote, people use the word selfish if they put themselves first. And that's not what selfish is. Selfish is defined as an action or motive that lacks consideration for other people. If that's the case, then I have been selfish the majority of my adult life based on the immense lack of consideration I had for myself. <laughs> I don't know why that spoke to me so much. I think it might be because like just being a woman, you're like, you know, no matter what you do, you're selfish. Like you should always be putting other people first. And right. like that last line just like hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, I'm not selfish for, you know, not thinking about all these other people. Cause I have to think about right. myself too. Right. Right. I think that's, and that right there to me is an example of how this is not, it comes through running, but it's not really about running. I mean, it can all be related to running. It is all related to running for me, but it's like, this is just stuff I'm learning about life. And I thought about that a lot. That was a, that was a big theme um, in a group that I was in at the Endeavor Run Austin camp about, you know, what does it mean to be a selfish runner? And I'm like, I just, yeah, I just, I feel like that, that word has been misused and mangled and, and certainly wrapped up in how, you know, women are kind of taught to be selfless and, mm -hmm. and I'm like, boy, there are times in your life, errors in your life, you have to be, but selfless means without a self. And I don't want to be without a self. Yeah. Then what are you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel like selfish is used. I mean, most of the things that people direct at other people are just projections. So I feel like sure. when someone calls someone selfish, it's more of uh, like, I am jealous that you're doing what you want. So I'm going to assign something negative to it because I don't like that you're doing it and that I'm not doing it. Right. Or it's something they need to look at in themselves. Maybe there's a little, <laughs> a little piece of selfish, something that they're dealing with that. Yeah. Or feeling guilty for that's what that when covered in that group that I was in. It's just like a lot of times it just comes down to feeling guilty for taking up. I know for me, it's like, I didn't feel like I had the right to take up any resources to take up time or space mm -hmm. or money. And it's like, but I do take up time and space and money. And when I take what's mine there, and that's where it gets, it's like, I'm talking about more than, but I'm like, yes, I'm taking, I, I demand time and space and money to function well as a human being and to be, um, to be a good mother and daughter and wife and friend and you know, coworker and whatever writer runner, it's like, mm -hmm. it, it requires that we, we use the resources that are due us. And I think I finally, I, I finally really have embraced that because of running. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Everything comes back to running. It does. It just does. Yep. Yeah. Well, is there anything that you'd like to close out with Diane? Any messages for the audience? I don't think so. I think the thing that's just sticking with me, Kelly, is you're just talking about like, um, you know, from your vantage point at 32, just that it's great to see that it's like life, you just stay engaged in life. Like there's new dreams to come and there's new, and it's, it's really true. It's like, I spent kind of a, 
kind of this fallow period where it's like, I don't have any dreams anymore because I was going into a new age. And um, it's like, there's, there's always more. Mm-hmm. And, um, and sometimes it has to change and sometimes you have to adjust it, but it's like, life is life. If you're living, you know, live it, there's possibilities. Yeah. I love that. So if people want to read your writing, where can they find you or if they want to just follow along with your journey? Sure. Um, so my writing is at nolimitsblog.net and um, my Instagram is diane.m.miller um, and I'm, I'm sort of on there and sort of not. I do post in my story every day um, a link to my writing and that's kind of mostly how I use it. But. I will link those in the show notes for anyone who wants to go check out your blog or your Instagram But thank you so much for being with me here today, Diane. It was so much fun. And I think the audience will really take out some good nuggets from our conversation. Oh, Kelly, I super enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you like this podcast, please rate subscribe, review everything you do for podcasts, wherever you listen to them. It helps me out immensely and helps other people find the show and just spread my message. And if you haven't already, connect with me on Instagram or TikTok at Coaching Klutz. You can also find me at my website, coachingklutz.com, if you're looking for my coaching services or any of my running programs. And I will talk to you all next time. 